Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. I look back at the third day's play from Chennai. Um, it was, I suppose, fairly inevitable, the, the progress. India managing to get to 286, so slightly defying our uh, suggestions that the pitch was a bit dodgy, though we can explore that uh, in due course. And England, England replying in their second with 53 for three, so 429 still behind. Uh, you can just rule out. England's hopes of victory or even survival, I think, unless there is an unseasonal monsoon in Chennai. Actually, I thought uh, England in the second innings, Simon, played played a little better. They tried to be positive against the Indian spinners on a very difficult pitch and it sort of half came off. But uh, in the end, the, the, the wickets fell predictably. Uh, obviously, one of those was Jack Leach, the night watchman, but... I suppose the disappointing thing is that Burns and Sibley both departed, uh, but at least Joe Root escaping that narrow opportunity for an LBW decision is still there. Yeah, Root's still there. Very fortunate to be there. I mean, I feel you should be giving those out. I'm I'm only thinking that the the standing umpire, Nitin Menon, thought he missed it. Uh, It went through to the keeper and he missed it. Well, he he didn't detect the, the flick of the pad. It was umpire's call for impact. It was really tight to off stump. He was beaten. He was well back. You know, it, it was it was hitting off stump, but he escaped on a sort of, on a technicality. Really, I, was, I thought actually in a strange way, I said this on air. It was one of the it was one of the sort of plumbest not out LBWs I've ever seen. And that that, and that sounds sort of contradiction in terms in a way, but anyway, he he got away with it. And Virat Kohli was you know really unhappy about it and was berating the umpire and the umpire was giving his opinion and, and actually you know seemed to be standing up to Coley as well of course Coley was given out himself LBW earlier in the day on the back foot the ball flicking the the top of off stump so I don't know perhaps he just felt that feeling of injustice really I'm well I got one earlier <laughs> and then Joe Root gets away with one uh 
it, it's what happens, isn't it? These things happen in the game of cricket. I, I felt you know, really should be giving those out, but he wasn't. He survives, so he goes into the, the next day. But England are doomed. I mean, they're absolutely doomed. We've, I think we've known it for a couple of days, really. In fact, I mean, Michael Vaughan called it 8.15 on the first day. I have to say, I, I sort of felt pretty similarly, actually, after the first day, 300 for six. It, it, it was going to be game over on this surface, which actually, Yoz, this surface we talked about, it's, it's a belter. It's a beautiful batting pitch now. It's lovely. It's a lovely surface. I completely changed my mind. Everyone who's criti- who's criticised our comments about the pitch, they're absolutely right. So it's a lovely batting surface. There you are. It's a lovely surface, everyone. Beautiful. Lovely. Flat oh, as a pancake. Flat as, flat love- as a pancake. Yeah. In fact, England should win. England should win. It's so good. England should win. In fact, Chase in down fact, 450 it'd be, to win. It'd be disgrace. It would be a disgrace if England don't win on this surface. <laughs> Actually, uh, it hasn't got that much worse, funnily enough. I mean, on the first morning, it was going through the top and, and turning square. And obviously, there was that delivery to Virat Kohli, which bowled him through the gate. And you thought, this is going to last two days or two and a half days. And in fact, we're now into the fourth day. But I do. I still think the pitch was a little bit substandard at the start. You want the, the pitch to at least play fairly reliably for the first day or two and I think batting was a bit of a lottery obviously Rohit Sharma rather uh, belied that uh, view by the the brilliance of his batting but I suppose also you'd have to say England spinners have been exposed mm. we knew all along going out to India that one of the problems would be t- taking 20 wickets in subcontinental conditions because the England spinners are adequate that they're, they're okay but they're not outstanding. And that's the, always been the flaw in England's makeup, really, since the retirement of, of Graham Swan five or six years ago. Uh, it's it's, it's a, bit, a bit unfair to be too critical of the likes of Jack Leach and Moen Ali. Moen Ali hasn't, of course, played a first-class game since 2019. And having to bowl all those overs against top-class players of spin is going to leave you exposed. He's taken eight wickets in the match, but you just wanted a bit more, especially when India were 106 or six in the second innings. You'd hope that England could polish them off for 160, 170, but the spin wasn't quite consistent enough. And obviously the batting, particularly of Coley, and to a lesser extent Ashwin, was of the highest class. And Ashwin, what a test match. Five wickets in the first innings, probably five in the second, and a century. Only one of a few people to have taken 105 wickets in the same test match. He's done it three times now, equaling Garfield, Sobers and Jack Callis, amongst others. And it, it also shows you how brilliant a cricketer Ian Botham was that he did that five times. Yeah, amazing thing is that it could well be that Ashwin's going to nip in for man of the match when, to me, Rohit Sharma was, you know, all set up to win man of the match. And I said, uh, you know, early in the game, you know, if someone else wins man of the match here, then something, you know, we're going to see something spectacular in the, in the last uh, few days of this test match. But it, it, it could well be that Ashwin with 100 and, uh, you know, potentially 10 wickets in the game. I mean, you, you definitely back him to bag a few more on the fourth day is, is going to get in there and, and take the man of the match award. Anyway, it's a fairly arbitrary thing. I mean, I think Rohit 
Rohit's intervention in this game absolutely decisive in a way today Ashwin not not that they were free runs because he actually played he, he, 106 for 6 he came in played a few shots you know the, the pressure wasn't really on India they had enough on the ball they were 300 ahead and he and it, it worked out for him he played a few shots just before lunch and he was you know he was over the hills and, and, and bounding away uh, from England and you know he, he had some fortune he was dropped on 28 he was dropped on I think 56 it was and then the amazing uh, shot to go to his 100 where he tried to slog it into the leg side with the field up and got a sort of top edge and it went over slip and he and it went for four. Well, you, you deserve luck like that when you've come up with that sort of innings on that sort of pitch. But I mean, I, you know, there have been more pressurised hundreds, I think. Uh, but, you know, to score 100 at, at number eight, fair play to him. And also as well, it's not that he hasn't done it before. But, um, he, he has in, in Test Match Cricket. It's his, his first 100 in Test Cricket not against the West Indies, which is one of those sort of bizarre quirks. His four previous ones were all against the West Indies. Well, if you just look at the uh, the England spinners' uh, bowling figures in that second in- India innings, both Jack Leach and Moen Ali getting four wickets, but four for 100 for Leach, four for 98 for Moen, both conceding over three and over. And th- all right, so they were bowling at the likes of Coley, etc., who are outstanding players from any generation but I suppose just it's a little bit disappointing when you see a ball spin viciously past the edge or through the gate and the batsman survives and then the next ball is a bit short and or or a full toss and gets put away and if you compare the Indian spinners bowling in England's first innings Ashwin and Axa Patel both conceding two runs and over and 1.8 and over. In Ashwin's case, five for 43 from 23.5 overs. Mm. Obviously, he's a a high-class performer, used to these kind of conditions, but he doesn't give those release balls. And you just feel he's always at the batsman all the time. He's always plotting. You can see him almost... You can almost see his mind working and how he's going to outwit the batsman. Whereas I do feel a little bit that, that Jack Leach is still sort of learning his trade and Moen rather goes through the motions and I mean that the nicest possible way I don't mean he's not trying but I just mean he he bowls in a rhythmical sort of way but without any real intensity and as a result he's a bit inconsistent yeah he's his first bowl uh, for a very long time in in red ball cricket so you know back into Test match action. He's had a long time out of Test match cricket as well, but I mean, it, it certainly was a pitch to bowl on. I mean, if you're a, any self-respecting spinner, uh, you, you definitely want to bowl on this Chennai surface. In fact, you'd like to take it around and bowl every match on it if you possibly could. Ajitan Patel is England's spin bowling coach, and uh, he was wheeled out afterwards. <laughs> no, no player again today. It was the batting coach uh, yesterday. It was the bowling coach uh, today, and I actually asked him. I said, you know. Leach four for a hundred, Moen Ali four for ninety-eight. Were you a bit disappointed, a bit frustrated, actually, that they didn't come up with better figures on this pitch? Well, they, they had a, they certainly had a big impact this morning. Um, maybe the ball was newer, maybe it was harder. Um, the impact this morning was fantastic, and they almost set up the game to really go away. Then a couple of chances, half really half chances, didn't go away. Um, ball did the ball get soft? Possibly. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I think they put in a hell of an effort, 60 overs each. You know, they had one session off in three days. And, and that's not, it's not how you win test matches, Simon. So I think for them, they'll, they'll, take, they'll be tired tonight. They'll be tired tomorrow. But 
they should we should take a lot of positives and confidence out of that. Moen has returned to the side after not being in the middle for a long period. I mean, how difficult is that? You know, as a former spinner yourself and spin bowling coach, and how do you think he's gone in general? Yeah, look, I think he's been really good. Um, I think initially he showed signs of nerves and maybe a touch anxious about how it will go for him. But as the game went on, he himself was really positive about how he was doing his job, and, and it's good to see. What have you been working on with England spinners? Uh, well, obviously, consistency is always going to be that one that every spinner would strive for. But for me, it's plans around how we're going to play the game in the subcontinent and how the subcontinent players will play us. So I've asked them to bowl really straight at times, and when the wicket allows, it's go wider. Um, but for me, it's just trying to get as, as much as take wickets, it's how we're going to control the rate. Um, they put us under pressure a lot of the time. They try to hit boundaries. They recognise that from that first game that we were happy to go at twos, threes and over new, knowing there would be opportunities at times. And, and I think in this game here, in this test match, they put us under back on the back foot early doors and um, and they've paid some rewards for it. Too many full tosses, too many four balls? Uh, oh, look, I mean, when you're, you're striving to hit the footmarks like they are, um, with lots of spin on it, there's going to be variation in lengths. That's fine. That's understandable. And like I said, they have bowled a lot of overs recently. Um, it's taken a toll on them. I'm not saying that's an excuse. Uh, they're just, just part of the reason as to where, what the inconsistencies are about. Um, we, that's the reason probably why we recently gone best out, didn't we? Because he's had a high workload um, and he looked tired at the back end of the test match with the three-day turnaround. You know, it was better off for him to take time out of the game and then and then come back for that third test, hopefully in a minute bit. Well, that's England's spin bowling coach, Jeetan Patel, talking about England's spinners. What about Ben Folkes uh, today? 28th birthday. He's the first player in the history of the game to take two stumpings on his birthday. There we go. That was an Andrew Sampson stat. I mean, goodness knows how long it took him to uh, research that. Perhaps it was very an easy one to dig out of his database. But there, there we go. Uh, two stumpings. There were some, some misses as well. There was a miss stumping and there was a, a drop catch standing up to Stuart Broad. I mean, he was the one that dropped Ashton in on 56, or 56, 58, something like that, uh, which cost England another 40-odd runs and about another two hours of, of frustration. He... But he, he does look silky uh, uh, behind the stumps, though, doesn't he? Yeah, actually, I posted on Twitter a clip of him keeping to Joe Root in India's first innings. A ball pitched outside leg stump from round the wicket, so the uh, keeper was completely unsighted. It then turned almost at right angles towards the leg side, pitched outside leg and spun further down the leg side. And, and folks just plucked it out of the air. He skipped across from outside off stump behind the batsman, took the ball absolutely beautifully, gloved it immaculately, despite the fact that it turned from really quite full out of the footmarks and bounced. And actually that clip got 94,000 views. So it shows people appreciate the the skill and just handiwork of, of Ben Fox. And actually his lovely nimble footwork as well, the way he moves across so quickly to take the ball. No buys in the first innings when India batted either, despite the fact the ball was jumping and turning like a spitting cobra a lot of the time. Uh, so he's had a great test. Of course, he batted really well. <laughs> he's going to have to do a fair bit more batting too. Yeah, batted really well in the first thing. So where does he fit into this England side 
uh, when Joss Butler is available again, uh, presumably doesn't, uh, unless England sort of change course. What, what do they well, do? I think Butler's. You know, I think Butler kept really well. Also, I mean, he's not quite in Folks's class, but obviously he has that ability with the bat, which he's an he's an X factor Butler really, and you can't discount that the. the sort of fear actually that he can in part in the opposition knowing that he comes into bat in certain situations he can play different forms of uh, attacking game as well I mean he can he's quite versatile so I don't think it's the end for Butler in any shape or form because England love him so how do we fit folks in as well it's impossible it's it's like a sort of luxury of choices really England have yeah, I mean that's it. Does he not fit in at all? And that's it. He just he just has to be an understudy. It's as simple as that. You know, he might get in uh, if there are a lot of games England want to rotate, or if there's an injury. But apart from that, he's just going to have to sit in his armchair and wait his opportunity. It's like Peter Shilton and Gordon Banks, isn't it? Uh, well, the, Ray the, Clements. Yeah, they used to. They, there were so to... many good goalkeepers in England, and they you know they didn't always have the chance to play, even though yeah. they were probably deserved to. Yeah, Joe Corrigan was in there as well. I mean, they were going back in the day now. But yeah, I mean, in the end, um, this is going back a little bit. Peter Shilton and Ray Clements used to play alternate international. So one would play one, one match and then the next one would come in for the, the game after. They did that for a while. Uh, I, I, England will, will not be doing that with uh, Folks and Joss Butler. But I mean, it may well be that you know, Folks will get uh, more opportunities as the year goes on if they feel that... You know, there is so much test cricket. I mean, the one thing about folks is it's unproven. One of the whispers around, I mean, you, how much you rely on this sort of thing, I don't know, is that there's a sort of feeling that he's not so good against the short ball. And that if you're going to go and play in Australia later in the year and you want your wicketkeeper to score runs, then that might be something that, you know, legislates against him. But, I mean, he's done everything so far that England could possibly have asked him. He's, he's kept well and, and he scored runs as well. And if you look at his first-class average, I mean, that is excellent. I mean, so... He's up there, what, 38.78 is his first-class batting average. So they know that they've got him to to fall back on if other things go wrong or if they need to rest. I loved it for for Ravi Ashwin, really, that he managed to get 100 on his home ground. I mean, he's such a, a hero of Chennai. And he's had quite an interesting career progression, hasn't he, really? Because he came into the sort of Indian setup via T20 in the IPL. I remember him opening the bowling for the Chennai Super Kings because he had a, a various different deliveries. He used to like bowling the straight on delivery and even the carom ball. He almost, he saw the carom ball actually bowled by Ajantha Mendis, the Sri Lankan bowler, mm. in a, a, an early World Cup game in a, about the, the mid 2000s and sort of tried to copy it because they play a lot of cricket in Chennai with uh, a, a rubber ball kind of on or near the beach. And he learned to all these different spins from really playing in, in that sort of environment. He was a batsman to start with and used to open the batting and really the spin has come as a second string but by goodness now he's he's such a, a fabulously versatile bowler so accurate so many different variations I love the the subtlety of, of some of his wrist releases in this England second innings when some balls pitched on the shiny part of the the ball and skidded straight on and then some balls pitched on the seam released exactly the same and spun viciously and his control of course is the other thing I think he might to bowl one full toss in England's first innings and that was an attempted carom ball but generally he's just at the batsman all the time and then to cap it all with a hundred on his home ground when India really needed it too 
was a wonderful thing for a, a a man who speaks a good game. We've, of course, had him on our show before talking about his investigations into the art and science of spin. He's always thinking and always trying to improve. And he's moving towards 400 test match wickets as well. Let's hear from him. Yeah, look, I mean, even after the last uh, test, we were talking about how we were going to counter Leach and, you know, start probably bringing the sweep to the game. The last time I was sweeping was when I was 19 years old and I hit a couple of sweep shots, got dropped from the side and never played a sweep for the last 11, maybe 13, 14 years. Been practicing only that shot for the last uh, week to 10 days and I'm very, very thankful that the plan has really paid off. Uh, the wicket's such that you've got to get your run square of the pitch and, yeah, uh, sort, of, sort of had a very, very good day. I think we posted a really good score and now we can really attack with men around the bat. In the past, when I've made my hundreds in India, uh, Ishii has been a uh, sort of a cog, uh, is, is been a cog in the wheel. He's been with me twice when I made a hundred, so he sort of understands how I go about it. Ishii was defending pretty well, so I thought I need to take calculated risks as long as he was there. But once Siraj came, I knew I had to get it done in a few overs. Uh, but I was, I was super thrilled the way he batted and hit the ball out of the ground towards the end. <laughs> I really don't know what the team is feeling like because I've been in the park for the last eight days, literally in the two test matches. I've just been out there, so I didn't. I don't really know how they're feeling, but I'm, I'm sure they're really, really thrilled. I think uh, the moment I got my runs, I was seeing everybody up in the balcony and I can't really th thank the crowd enough. Uh, they've been wonderful. Uh, they've really been very, very supportive of me. Every time I walked out to bat or bowl, the applause has been really, really thunderous. So that's Ravi Chandran Ashwin. When's the game going to finish, Yoz? Well, seven wickets to go. Uh, it's going to take two and, two and a bit hours, three hours maybe. I'd say mid-afternoon and England might rack up 160 or 70. If they get to 200, I think that's a lot of credit actually because it's very difficult to bat out there and there's a ball with your name on it. Yeah, and India have got class bowling attack as well. I suppose the, the one thing for England on the on the fourth day is you know, can one or two players really uh, well he, he sort of get some practice in the middle. I mean Joe Root doesn't really need it because he's been batting brilliantly uh, during this uh, winter already. Someone like Dan Lawrence, who's played promisingly so far, he's hit a couple of fours and a, a six. Can he you know, dig in, spend some time in the middle, boost his confidence, get fifty or sixty, which you know re really valuable experience out in the middle, or someone like Ollie Pope as well, who's who's flickered a bit so far can he spend some significant more significant time in the middle and get and get a score i mean we know which way this game is going it's inevitable it's just a question of 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 when uh, not if uh, it will not go to a, a fifth day if it, doesn't, if it does go to a fifth day i'd be i mean it'd be incredible uh, fourth day i think it's just a question of when england are going to lose this match and then on to ahmedabad for the the third test match under lights day night game bit of a, a break about a, a week's break uh, and you know the series is still 1-1 so it's, it's whatever happens uh, tomorrow it, it is all to play for still We had Steve Finn in our virtual cricket club last week and he, of course, played a key role in some of the test matches in 2012 in that series, which England won in India. One of the things we talked to him about was, you know, the whole joy of fast bowling, uh, which Anderson really evoked in that first test match when he knocked those stumps out. And one of the first things we said to Steve Finn is, is that the best feeling for a fast bowler to see the stumps scattered everywhere? Depends in which manner it's done. Yeah, if you can send one that cartwheels and it just disappears off and almost empowers the keeper, that that is very satisfying. Yeah, because it's a sign of 
how quick you're bowling. But the disappointing thing is, or a, a sort of in-house secret, the only the reason that a stump cartwheels is because the groundsmen water the holes of the stumps before the day's play. So some grounds, and I'm convinced some teams, when your team's bowling, they don't bother watering the stump holes so that when you hit the off stump, it just doesn't go anywhere. But then when their bowlers are bowling, it hits the off stump and it's back to the keeper. Um, so, yeah, so when we play at Lords, I, I try and make sure I'm there a little bit early to make sure that the stump holes are nicely watered <laughs> on my own patch. Um, that was the one of the great things about Jimmy's over. You must you must have a quick look at it, Finney. Yeah. On, on no, YouTube I will. I will. I've seen it's, it in it's isolation. The, yeah, right. The stumps sort of go like that. And it's it, it and it's it's a fantastic. So it reminded me, I think was it Curly Ambrose did that in his when England got bowled out for 46, whereas was he was doing that to the stumps. He used to, he used to do that, but that was, it was so it was really dramatic cricket. Really just I'd actually just switched on. 10 to 5 in the morning. It was at 88 for two. And I thought, God, my goodness me, they've been playing for they've been playing for about half an hour. They've always scored about 50 runs. Yoz is going to be eating his shield. And then suddenly Jimmy runs in and knocks over two in and over. It was it was a fantastic. I mean, it was unbelievable drama. It was. Point. It was. I mean, actually, you know, it's a good question about um whether that is the most thrilling experience for a bowler knocking stumps out. And I I think that the other thing that is really thrilling about fast fast bowling is just that sheer feeling of running up to bowl on a good day and you know you let go of the ball and it just it hits the pitch and sort of kisses the pitch and takes off and even if it doesn't get a wicket it soars past the edge and goes into the keeper's gloves and the keeper sort of takes it almost sort of knocking him backwards slightly on the shoulder height or going up and I think that that sensation of you just you nothing no kind of bat or 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 bracket or anything. It's just your body producing that venom and that speed and that velocity and the ball climbing into the keeper's gloves and you know hitting. I think that's a really satisfying feeling, don't you? Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And sometimes it's the days where you're not actually trying to bowl that quick. And by not trying to bowl quick, I mean you're relying on your rhythm and the, the good form that you're in to bowl quick. So there's instances where I've tried to bowl quick in international cricket and it's coming up like 82, 83 miles an hour. And you're walking back thinking, why am I not bowling quick? I'm really trying today. And then there's the days where you run up and you're not trying to bowl quick and you're just in this groove and this rhythm. You're like almost in this trancey sort of state whilst you're bowling. And you look up at the speed gun and it was like 91, 92 miles an hour. Um, and it's those days where you're walking back to your mark and you almost you feel amazing like because you can you're not putting that much effort in mm. um or it feels as though you're not putting that much effort in but the ball's absolutely flying through to the keeper and yeah it's those days that are the most satisfying can fast bowlers get quicker do you think i mean we've we've asked a few of the bowlers on this show actually that question different answers what's your view depends if you ask the blokes who played in the 70s and 80s no one's ever going to bowl quicker than that ever ever impossible 100 miles an hour all day apparently they tell me the guys who played in that era um but i look cricket cannot be the only sport in the world that has gone backwards it can't it can't be the only sport that people bowl quicker 40 years ago than they do now so i think what we see now is people who are able to bowl quick and there's no doubt people bowl quick in those days absolutely no doubt but people's ability to do it over a longer period of time I think is only ever going to get better from this point forwards. The most scary prolonged 
period of fast bowling that I ever witnessed live in my career was Mitchell Johnson in the 13-14 Ashes series. That was just relentless fast bowling for 90 overs of a day. And every time he picked the ball up, his loosener was like 90 miles an hour. And then he just got into his work. And, and, and that is unbelievable. But you look at the physical condition he was in at the time, it's no surprise that he was bowling that quick all day because he was in great rhythm and that was paired with being in amazing shape. So, um, so yeah, I see no and reason And being confident with, as well, of course. Yeah, confidence, the confidence, confidence is a massive... Because he, he was one of those bowlers who actually in that first test in that series, Brisbane, he didn't get it right to start with and Clark took him off and then put him back on and that's when he sort of terrorised Carberry and others, Trotty and people like that. But he got confidence from that that spell didn't he and then he it yeah. obviously built he built on that well i had a really interesting conversation with him at the end of that 13 14 ashes series because by that stage i was at the bottom of the deepest rabbit warren i'd ever dug for myself and didn't know how to get out of it and i sought him out in the dressing room at the end of that series where he took took something like 37 wickets at 17 something stupid didn't he um in that series and and I said to him, like, how did you find your way back from um, struggling when you struggled? And not, I can't remember how I quite worded it, but I remember his response. And he was like, mate, I was as nervous as anyone in that first test match. And he got someone caught down the leg side off their glove. I can't remember who it was. Carbs. I think it was, was Carbs, wasn't it? Was it Carberry? Yeah. Um, he got he got carbs out, caught down the leg side off his glove. I think it might he have was, been bowling said, round. I think he was bowling round the wicket, actually. Yeah, but yeah, and and he said that that was the moment where I just felt my confidence come back into me, and and it was just a uh, like a period of hard work, and then that little bit of confidence is then what helped him fly for the rest of the series. And how did that did that help you then? And how did that help you? Well, yeah, it, it makes you. I think when you talk to people about their stories and, and how they've come through tough times, I think that that helps you have confidence that you can get out of that tough time yourself. Yeah. So um, at the time I was, I wasn't bowling very well. My action was a mess. I I tried too many things and tried to find too many golden bullets to, um, to try and make myself a better cricketer. And I, and I didn't manage to do that. So, um, so yeah, then listening to him and the way that he made it sound so simple the methods that he used to get himself out of that find someone you trust he had a fast bowling coach he trusted he went to that person he rebuilt himself he then rebuilt confidence and then went into a game he got that little bit of confidence and then kicked on so yeah it definitely gave me confidence that I could get out of that situation so interesting to hear the anxieties that even a big thrusting fast bowler like Mitchell Johnson or indeed Steve Finn can feel. And that was Steve Finn in the Virtual Cricket Club last week. Our next guest this Thursday is Ian Smith, the legendary Kiwi batsman keeper and also, of course, commentator. You hear a little bit of him at the start of this show. He's in our Virtual Cricket Club this Thursday at 7pm live from New Zealand. So it's early in the morning his time and you can join us in aid of the professional cricketers trust by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com i can guarantee it'll be an evening of insight and entertainment so hope you can join us then and we'll be back to review the final day presumably it's the final day of this test match this time tomorrow hope you can join us then thanks for listening 
Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.